SonicState.com So, hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 46. Uh, this is going to be going live on Thursday the 17th of May. Um, we've got uh, a, a slightly depleted guest count this week, but um, oldies but goodies. So, first of all, we've got Dave Spears from GeForce Software. Hello. How are you, Dave? I'm okay, actually, I think. Good. How's the... I think I... I always say that, don't I? You do, yeah. How's the software business going? Uh, average to mediocre. Oh, that good. <laughs> Things are looking up, then. We missed your birthday last week. Was it last week? Oh, yeah, might have done. Happy birthday. Oh. I hope you had a good one. Thank you, yes, I did. Great. Glad to hear it. I've got another flat-screen telly. Are you going to wear them? Uh, are you going to get those uh, spectacles that mean you can see things in stereoscopic vision? Uh, no, actually, the missus bought me this one for the kitchen. <laughs> the new kitchen? New kitchen, new telly? <laughs> yeah, there has to be an ulterior motive then. Ah, somewhere. well, you've got to watch out, because when you put them in the kitchen, you'll be tempted to kind of wipe down the front of the LCD. And apparently, if you use anything other than um, just very... Very very slight moisture. What happens is, is the moisture runs down the front of the LCD into the contacts at the bottom, and then leaches back up inside the LCD, sort of screwing up the picture. So you want to watch out about that. Ouch. Yeah. And uh, we've also got Mark Tinley. Hello. Hi, Mark. I use baby wipes. Baby wipes to wipe my LCD screens seems to work really well. Perfumed or non-perfumed variety? Um, preferably the ones without the moisturising stuff in. Oh yeah, you don't want any aloe vera on your uh, on your screen, do you? Could no, be... aloe vera would do weird things. That would be nasty smearing. How's my week? I've been working with Carl from Fields of the Nephilim on uh, programming for a show which is happening in the London Astoria on May the twenty fourth. Oh, so right. there you go. I've name dropped someone different to the person I normally name drop this week. Well done. And how is that? What What are you working <laughs> with? Are you are you kind of doing it in Pro Tools, or you know how are you how are you putting the show together? Uh, Logic on MacBook Pros for the sequencing and keyboard part. Wow, that sounds scary. Are you, are you kind of convinced that's... I mean, well, obviously. I mean, I suppose the thing is with a laptop, it's got built-in UPS, hasn't it? So that's one thing. Yes, exactly. What sort of audio interface is he? Uh, metric Halo. But ah. for some reason, it's not powering the... It's not the Firewire bus isn't powering the audio interfaces, which is a bit disturbing. I don't know why. I haven't been... And had a chance to troubleshoot it, yeah. And so you're running it in Logic, um, and what, a keyboard player sort of playing through it and playing soft synths as well, or is it you just using the two systems that are kind of synced together that one can sw- take over if the other one bonks? Uh, there are some keyboard parts, and I'm probably the keyboard player, actually. <laughs> the keyboard player isn't a visual, visual part of the band, so... Oh, I see. So you'll be kind of underneath the stage in the crypt or something. Exactly. What sort of stuff's running off that if it's not too uh, um, too much of a trade secret? Is it sort of back in vocals? Sound, sound effects, really, more than anything else. All oh, right, okay. Just all those kind of kind of noises and uh, some choral kind of effects and stuff. Oh, okay. So they're not relying on them too heavily. It's just sort of enhancement. No, they've got two guitarists, bass player, drummer, and Carl singing, and some minimal effects on. Backing track. Good lord, what's that? <laughs> it's you. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> but how? How is this possible? Is that one of, another one of your circuit bent devices? <laughs> it's my Casio S, uh, SK5, and I've I've got it in the um, in the loop between the, the desk and everything else, so I can sample you. Sample me live. 
Absolutely, everything you say. So is it just live, a continu- live, live, <laughs> oh, thank live, you. live, like that. <laughs> How much sampling time has that um, that beast got these days? I think it's got 0.8 seconds shared between four samples. Good so lord! There you go. How extravagant! <laughs> It was a lot in 1983 or 1984, whenever this thing came out. Yeah, what sort of 4-bit? What was the sample rate on that? It must have been very low, because you can hear it sort of going... Oh, probably 8 kilohertz, probably. Wow. The SK range have got uh, have got real... They've got legs, as it were. Do you think people just want them because they can bend them, or is it because they've got a certain something? Because I'm sure... In fact, I think um, I saw there's a Portis Head um, DVD of them playing in New York with the, at... Uh, is it Radio City or Radio Hall? An aide's got a little, I think it's an SK-1 or an SK-5, on top of uh, one of his um, his echo boxes, and he's it's playing a really sort of high, plinky sound. It's got a sound chip in it as well, hasn't it? It has. I mean, it's got piano sounds in it, and if you mess with the piano sound, you can get all sorts of weird gongs and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I think it, that's so. what he uses. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I'm just going to... In fact, that's the piano sound. Didn't sound like that when he was playing it, but... His probably not been bent. Hey, listen, I've just seen uh, Non-Eric come online. I'm just going to go and get him. Non-Eric's just joined us. He was um, just waiting for a large screen grab to save on his computer, <laughs> so he couldn't join us before. Uh, Non-Eric, of course, is uh, pr- proprietor, host, webmaster. I'm not quite sure exactly what your role is with uh, digitalmusician.net, which is a kind of uh, internet, well, collab- music collaboration tool, really, and community. Yes. And also... Um, podcasting in german language via musotalk.de welcome non-eric hello good to hear from you again i've got you swelled our numbers we are now four in total i can see oh wow i can see pj <laughs> i can see pj on the line but he's not actually uh, responding so i'm not quite sure what's going on there um we've just been talking about um, programming for live shows mark's been doing some programming this week and uh, uh dave you must have had had opportunity to do something along those lines in your varied career yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, used to do a lot. It's quite stressful, isn't it? That bit when you first set the computer up for rehearsals and you've got the entire PA there, all the crew, the band who've been flown in, you know, and, the, and they're all up in hotels and, uh, and the, um, the rehearsal room, and it's all down to whether or not your stuff works. It's kind of a, it's a scary moment. Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, that bit always gets my juices going, that's for sure. <laughs> I remember I, I did a gig once, uh, what, it was almost my first one in, the, in London, uh, in the disco called The Heaven. You Heaven. know that one? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really big, huge place. And, <laughs> and um, because um, my MPC once hang up, I, did, I never found out why. It was the only time in eight years that it did, the MPC 3000. I had actually a CD um, with me as well with the whole stuff as a playback. And, and the plan was actually to start... You know, when I start the show and hit start on the MPC, I would also start the uh, the CD player so that in case of a total emergency, I could switch to the pre-recorded show. Yeah. And it was great because I was so nervous that I totally forgot about it. <laughs> and about five minutes to the end, I realized, oh, I hadn't I hadn't even started the CD player. Oh, and, and another thing that was even worse was I was doing a show in, in Germany at a huge rave in front of 10,000 people. And I had my CD player up, you know, for, with, the, with, the, with the, uh, the last, you know, the emergency yeah. 
the version everything and it was very hectic because it was a huge stage and stuff was being you know um put on the stage and off the stage and it was a big sort of chaos and mess and i was hitting start on my cd player ready to hit start on the mpc and i started the mpc and everything went off and then i look at the at the cd player and it had a really it was a sony one and it had a very tiny display but it was able to say one word to me and it was sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh that must have been a great consolation oh that really did you relay that to the 10,000 eager um eager fans <laughs> probably probably yeah and it was aired on 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 german uh, radio and everything oh man and, but, oh, but it, it went it went fine it was okay it but went, it was okay really in the end. sorry <laughs> guitar hero rocks the 80s is in the works oh uh, and it's uh, it's been being um developed by somebody called activision and the expansion is set to bring some badly needed nostalgia to the hugely, hugely successful rhythm game, which players strum along to rock classics on guitar-shaped controllers. Uh, on this one, it's seven songs out of the, out of the total 30 have so far been announced, but uh, they, run, they run kind of all over the place from the 80s. But uh, so far, I think there's um, A Flock of Seagulls, I Ran. If anyone remembers, that was a big hit in the US, wasn't it? And I Want to Rock by Twisted Sister are the two titles that they've let slip at this stage. But, uh, I mean, it's probably quite a laugh, but it just kind of got me thinking about, um, you know, what what was it that you used to do, air guitar or air whatever to? Because, I mean, you know, we all, I don't know, I speak for myself anyway. I remember when I, when I was a kid, um, we used to play tennis in our house a little bit, so there were two or three tennis rackets lying around. And I used to, what I used to do is sit on them on the bed, and I got myself a pair of drumsticks, and I used to play the, the um, I used to play the tennis rackets as drums along to whatever it was I was listening to at the time. And that was kind of my hairbrush as a microphone or air guitar kind of moment that's what i used to do what anyone else used to do or did you in fact used to do anything yes the sweet the sweet blitz really oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I was andy scott i was andy scott and and, and and my dad and i we even did a video which was a novel thing at the time and i had this uh guitar mock-up which wasn't I actually progressed from the tennis racket to a to a piece of um, wood shaped like a guitar and painted like a guitar. Wow! And I used that in the in the movie. It was great. I think you should put that video up on your site. Get it on oh, YouTube, yeah. Hans. <laughs> Absolutely. On. Let's see it. Sadly, I didn't have any video. Myself. What about you, Dave? Uh, Dave? You must have because I mean, you got into drums really early. Did you? Were you a kind of incessant tapper and was always kind of. I mean, yeah. I, actually, my first drumsticks. I didn't. I could because I couldn't. I, I didn't have any drumsticks. I managed to find two bits of wood and I sort of carved them, it whittled them into the shape so they had tips like drum drumsticks. I was that desperate. Meccano <laughs> <laughs> uh, was mine. Meccano. Two, two big bits of Meccano. <laughs> Sounds very um, destructive. Yeah, yeah. I think my folks were a bit pissed off about what I did to the sofa. Yeah, but that was again sweet and. And uh, I really am showing my age here. Um, the Rubettes. Blimey. Oh, sugar baby <laughs> love. I think they had two drummers. Maybe that was the appeal. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you always thought you could depth for one of them. That'd be yeah. a great gig. Was that a Phil Spector um, produced, the Rubettes? I have no idea at all. I think it was one of those Chin and Chapman things, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I okay. think so, yeah. When did you get your first kind of kit? Uh, 
I was quite young. Uh, I don't know, probably about sort of 10 or 11. Oh, or wow, lucky like you. I remember one of my my mum's friends had a lodger who had a drum kit in the attic of the house that they lived in. It was quite big. And he let me play on it once and, t- and I was just totally smitten. And in fact, I, you know, I always wanted to play the drums, but I ended up getting into synths before then and I got a drum kit later on in life, but uh, it's gone now. And what about you, Mark? Did you, I can imagine you, you know, prancing around, strutting your stuff with a plank of wood, maybe? Yeah, I did. Uh, funnily enough, it was a plank of wood, yeah. And, um, but the, I first started jumping around pretending to do things when I was about seven, and that probably would have been um, Rebel Rebel by David Bowie. Ah, uh, Mick um, Ronson. And then T-Rex, um, 20th Century Boy, definitely. And um, a couple of Slade tracks as well. But I was learning the violin when I was sort of seven, eight years old, and I used to cut away at the um, the bow and always have a couple of little sort of horse hairs hanging down on the end of it because um, Slade's violin player had that, didn't he? It's like tassels. And, yeah. So ah. every every week I had a violin lesson, and my violin teacher got very cross and used to sort of tidy up my bow. Oh, tidy up your bow, Mark, and sort of tied it all up for me. So this bow was getting narrower and narrower and narrower as I... As time went on. So what happens? Do you have to have them restrung once all the horse hair comes? Because they're, they're, they are horse hair, aren't they? I don't know, because I actually managed to get out of violin lessons by... You know, there's a, a kind of a peg that holds the two halves of the violin apart. I used to get this uh, flexible ruler and knock the peg out so that my violin was forever having to be repaired, and then my parents got fed up with it. Um, but they'd sort of said to me, learn the violin and we'll buy you an electric guitar. And it became plainly obvious that that was never going to happen. So I had to get out of violin lessons somehow. And um, so after that, it was a plank of wood with um, garden string on it and a plastic egg box on the back. Uh. And I discovered that if I, if I plugged a microphone into my cassette recorder... And the speaker, it amplified it. So I used to turn everything up absolutely full and then twang this green garden string over this egg box kind of contraption thing. And that was really... I wasn't doing that along to anything. I was doing my own concerts in my back garden, standing on the the barbecue, you know, like... was making this god-awful row and annoying all the neighbours. And then I carried on doing that. You know, carried on doing that for about five years. Oh, brilliant. Well done. Well, I remember now, um, because I I used to to tape... um, Tupperware or ice cream containers on the bottom of these uh, these um, tennis rackets because it made them resonate a bit more. So when you hit them, they actually sort of went bung rather than just ping, you know, like, like you would when you hit a tennis racket. So I managed to get a different sizes ones, so I had a couple of different tom-toms. <laughs> and I, I, I think I was about... I, I was doing this till I was probably 11 or 12 because I was just so into it and there's no way I could get a drum kit in my house. And I just remember I was kind of doing it and somebody came round to call for me and my mum didn't call up and say, you know, somebody here to see you. And they came into my room while I was kind of wigging out to my tennis rackets. And and uh, I think I stopped doing it after that because I just got relentlessly um, kind of given a load of stick for looking such an arse. And in fact, I, they used to call me Cozy Bat after that. And it was really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> after the legendary Cozy Pal. Although, oh, uh, dance with the devil, man. That's it. I hate to admit this, but um, I am... Almost doing some air guitar now. Oh, well, not right at this minute. I've, I have to do a video for um, a band, and part of it is pretending that I'm a kind of human sampler, so it's quite a raw track. So I start out playing the drums, and then I have to pick up this guitar and play it, and then all this is going to be cut. Wow. Well, that sounds good. 
I've just noticed also um, that there are some more tracks that we can enjoy in this um, Rock the 80s. I, I missed it. There was also, uh, as well as Flock of Seagulls and Twisted Sister, there's um, covers of Round and Round by Rat, who I don't know. I Want Candy by Bow Wow Wow. Cool. Uh, Metal Health by Quiet Riot. Holy Driver by Ronnie James Dio. And The Heat of the Moment by Asia. But yeah, that's going to be from Activision, and I don't know when it's going to be available, but sometime maybe in for Christmas? Who knows? Welcome, 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 PJ Tracy from Minneapolis. <laughs> Thanks. Ah. So, PJ, you've just heard our confessions, um, so I, I suppose we're all, we're all equally, um, equally as red-faced. Actually, I'm more ashamed about that. I don't know, in the UK, we used to have um, wrestling on a Saturday afternoon on the on the world of sport which was kind of the grandstand program which is on itv back in you know the 70s and the most embarrassing thing i can remember is um that they are it was like it was like wwf but not nearly so kind of they weren't big muscly men they were all sort of fat smoking kind of overweight unfit people who <laughs> used to wear masks and go grr um and i remember jumping around the uh, jumping around the sofa in my underpants when i was about seven to that 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 was more embarrassing of a mime gig i suppose Mick McManus. Exactly. Mick McManus, giant haystacks, <laughs> big daddy. These, daddy. Are, these names will mean nothing at all to anybody <laughs> apart from me, Dave, and Mark. Big, big daddy's real name's Shirley something, isn't Shirley, it? Shirley, yeah. Yes. His first name's Shirley. <laughs> right, and he was huge. And all he used to do, basically, is people used to run at him and he used to just stand there and... Fall on them. No, he, well, he did that eventually when they were a bit tired, but he used to just sort of <laughs> butt them away with his vast gut, and that was it. And his catchphrase was easy, easy, easy. But I'm getting far too niche here, I think. <laughs> in fact, I mean, talking, we were talking about miming, you know, when you're kids, but um, we've all been in bands, presumably, when mime has to be, you know, you have to perform mime for TV playback or whatever. And, um, anyone got any uh, interesting tales about that? I, I, I can kick off because uh, when I did a, I did a kind of like a PA tour of a band I was in, and... Um, I was miming the drums, you know, just because I didn't fancy standing up in front of the camera, so I just sat at the back, you know, kind of pretending to play the drums. And I couldn't play them very well, and I, I still can't play them that well. Uh, particularly, I can't play kind of disco house rhythm with kind of 16 hi-hats and all that sort of thing. And uh, we played at the uh, somewhere in, in, in Sweden, I think it was in Stockholm, at this great big gig. Uh, it was a huge one. There were lots of other kind of big acts there at the time. And it was this grand, very grand hall, and they had a drum kit on stage, and all the people went up. And uh, it was with Sharon Red, actually, who's a disco diva from uh, from the 70s. And she went up and did a live vocal, and we all sort of milled around at the back. Of, and I sat on the drums, and they said, oh, no, it's all right. Don't worry, you know, they, they're, they're not switched on. And so, of course, I was me thrashing around at the back of the stage. And um, my manager came up afterwards and said, oh, God, those drums were terrible. They, you could hear them really loud out front. I don't think they turned the mic <laughs> That's my most embarrassing uh, moment. But I suppose that's not really miming, because I was actually playing. I was just playing really, really badly to an audience of about 5,000 people and telev live television. But, you know, could have been worse. Could have been a couple of million people. <laughs> I could have been naked. I'd not realised it. Anybody else have anything similar? Because, I mean, miming is something that, you know, seems to... People kind of gloss over it. But, I mean, obviously, you know, ever since the year dot miming has been part of the gig because you can't it's very hard to recreate a lot of modern pop records live i mean some some bands can some bands can't but you know certainly throughout the 80s so for instance and, and and most of the 90s a lot of it couldn't be done live you know now with more sort of indian guitar stuff it's become it's sort of coming back but anybody else done any have any howling 
howlingly embarrassing mind gigs? Uh, I, I have a question, actually. I mean, sometimes I, I watch a couple of uh, live videos, DVDs. I saw Rammstein recently, and I was really, really... Um, trying to figure out how much was actually pre-recorded and how much was actually played live because it struck me that uh, even some of the vocal stuff these days it doesn't look right you know you know why? Mm. why because they record it on multi-track and then they redo it afterwards okay oh they overdub it afterwards but they'll record it in multi-track in the truck and you've got so many hours to go in there and fix anything that you want to repair before it goes out so, you, you know, you might have 18 hours or something between when it's recorded and when it's aired, and you basically get the band in there and you go and fix the main vocal, you go and fix any backing vocal errors and all that sort of stuff. So I guess you haven't got enough time to make sure that the lip sync is absolutely perfect because you're just trying to get the audio to sound good. So they're liars. It's entertainment. It's showmanship, isn't it? I suppose, yeah. Mm. It's it's yeah. hard. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to pull off. I mean, you know, you see, particularly, you know, particularly like teen bands, where there's all it's all about dance routines and jumping up and down. I mean, there's just no way you're going to be able to come up with a good pitch perfect vocal. I mean, you know, some people can obviously do it, but it's blooming hard, I'd imagine. I mean, you know, if you're mm. jumping around and doing that sort of level of work, then to do a, deliver a oh. vocal that's measured is going to be very difficult. Oh. That reminds me of the big rumor a couple of years ago about the Rolling Stones, where somebody actually. It had two recordings of the live Rolling Stones concert, and was able to um, actually uh, show that they had, it was exactly the same. And therefore, there was this big rumor that it was all pre-recorded. Same with Madonna, actually. Well, I uh, know. Actually, I'll tell you how Madonna works because uh, I know because um, we did some sessions with um, uh, Spike Stent, who uh, who basically put together helped put together the show for them. And what they do is they run Logic rigs live. And all the live band go into the audio interfaces on stage, which are then mixed um, dynamically, you know, within the logic session for the song. So, you know, when the bass solo comes in or whatever, you know, the, the song is pre-programmed to turn it up and turn it down. So it's very, very tightly controlled. So at front house, they basically get a stereo pair and a vocal. Okay. So, uh, I mean, wow, I mean, whether great. or not she does, I mean, I imagine there must be times when she can't possibly sing the vocal because she's running up a ladder or whatever it is she's doing. But I imagine, no, she probably, to be fair, I'd imagine most of these people do try and do as much live as they possibly can. But at the same time, they've got to put on a show. But having said that, if I went to see a guitar band who are like, you know, like, I don't know, the White Stripes or whatever, I wouldn't expect them to be playing pre-recorded stuff because they're not that kind of band. And I would feel ripped off if they were just playing, doing playback. If you went to see like Led Zeppelin doing all those time signature changes and it was all on a tape, it wouldn't really be the same, would it? No, I, I suppose. But I mean, you know, I suppose that Stones thing, you know, it's like the equivalent of a kind of musical Zimmer frame, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of it's just got to got to have a bit of help because they're all getting on a bit. No one's saying anything. Yeah. Everyone's scared of um, litigation, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know. That's all right. I think we've actually managed to um, prove that no, no lawyers listen to this show. <laughs> Dave, you, I mean, you were in bands in the 80s. You must have mined. Uh, mainly for videos. I did one, um, you know, these bloody PA tours. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a load of bands, including Five Star. And <sighs> it was so cringeworthy. It was like, I will never do this again, ever. And that was it for me. I, I, don't, I used to find myself things to do. So, I mean, although everything was on backing tracks, I, um, I'm thinking about the band Discord Dacord that I was in with my brother Adam and... Um, Johnny Slut from Specimen and they sang and I created all of the backing and most of that came off a cassette 
but what I used to do was I'd, I'd um, run all of their voices through a sampler and sample different chunks of it and then trigger it back off from a um, drum pad. So I had this sample, I'd press a button, capture a bit of vocal and then hit pads and, you know, turn, trigger the samples back in. So That's it was kind cool. of like these random weird delays and stuff that I'd be... <laughs> I did have one embarrassing moment with that band, though, which um, uh, I was... I'd kind of moved on to playing a keyboard and triggering the samples from it, and allegedly I'd taken rather a lot of a, a recreational drug and all the batteries <laughs> fell out of the keyboard, and my focus was on the fact that the batteries had fallen out of the keyboard and off the front of the stage and onto the floor... To this rather bumbling, confused kind of keyboard player, namely me, wandered off the stage and started scrabbling around for these batteries, trying to find them and put them back in the keyboard. And I did this for about 15 to 20 minutes, and by the time I fixed the keyboard and stumbled back onto the stage, the set had kind of ended, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of embarrassing. But they really but, missed you, of course. Yeah. The new NN6 music production synthesizer. From Codename Mimo. The 61 note portable synthesizer with incredible sonic power based on motive tone generation, real time audio control, USB connectivity, and computer integration. Bundled with Cubase LE audio and MIDI sequencing software. Create, produce, perform with the affordable and versatile NN6 music production synthesizer. From www.mm6music.co.uk uh, Yamaha UK sponsor this show uh, and that's an ad there for the MM6 Minimo uh, which is powered by the Motif Sound Engine and is, uh, represents very good value for money. If you want to help make us look good go and click on the URL mm6music.co.uk This is actually titled Um, Is It Me or Is This A Bit Rubbish? which was uh, via ProSound News <laughs> Europe and uh, what it is, is, uh, well, it's called uh, Lifehouse Method, and it's behind it. It's essentially, for what I gather, it's kind of an automatic music creation algorithm that takes input from various aspects. You, when you join, I joined it this morning, and I, it asks you for a sample of your voice, some sort of rhythm which you can tap in via, you know, this Java applet, um, it, I don't know if you've got a mic, and um, a piece of music and a photo. And all of these things kind of conspire to help this algorithm make you a musical portrait. Behind it is one Pete Townsend of The Who. Um, so anyway, I thought I'd try it. And what I did is I uploaded, uh, let me just, I, I uploaded this. Welcome everybody to this Sonic Talk number 45, right? I uploaded this. Which I think is a Barry White um, break. Or no, Bill, Bill Withers perhaps. And then also this. Sonic State. And a photo of the Sonic State logo, which I thought, right, okay, well, you know, let's try and make it um, kind of personal to me and personal to Sonic State and see see what it comes up with. So, are you ready? Mm. Yeah. And it goes along like that for ages. Then it gets a bit more complicated. And a bit more. I quite like that bit. Hold on. And that's five minutes. And it took it took probably less than five minutes to do. But um, it, and I thought, oh, well, it sounds a bit like Philip Glass, doesn't it? It's got that kind of. Yeah. Uh, 
um, or Steve Reich, or you know Steve Reich, one of those kind of systems music guys, um, but a bit faster. And um, I, I mean, you know, I might use it in the show because obviously it, it must be personal to me now because it's been created from various things that uh, this show You've had. You've been had. You've been had, mate. Well, I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> I don't think it's me that's been had, Mark, because I don't think I actually paid for the uh, development of this website or algorithm, so I think I got off scot-free, frankly. But, um... (laughs) Dave, you had a go as well, didn't you? Uh, Yeah, mine's just finished. Has it? Can you play it? So I I uploaded um, a picture of George Harrison's house. Yeah. Um, My voice, saying thank you very much. And I just tapped in a bit of tempo on the um, mouse, which it allows you to do. Yeah. And it came back with this. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) That is incredible. Now, that's what mine should have been, surely. (laughs) No, it didn't, actually. Mine sounds virtually the same as yours. (laughs) It sounds almost the same as mine, does it? Yeah. I mean... And it's about four minutes, 55 long. Yeah, same as mine. So, what I was wondering is... Oh, you got a piano in yours. Yeah, that's quite interesting, actually. That's very Steve Reich. Yeah. Wow. Yours is a lot more jagged, isn't it, Dave? When you say a lot more jagged, I mean, it's not exactly kind of... <laughs> it's not punk and classical, is it? It's just a little bit different with a slightly different tonal variation. <laughs> well, it's a slightly different rhythm, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Different arpeggiator setting on the sequencer but, that it used there. I, I, I kind of... I'm, I think it's kind of a fun idea, but, I mean, it just seems like they must have, they must have put an awful lot of money into this thing because, I mean, it's quite a slick website and it's got all these kind of custom applications... That can interact with you. What, by the way, what number is yours, Dave? Because mine says tu- mine is tu- tune number four thousand one hundred ninety-four. So I was just wondering how many they downloads they've had today. What number is yours? Yeah, uh, four thousand two hundred fourteen. Right. So I did mine at about ten o'clock this morning. There's, so it's between mine and yours. That that yours is forty-six iterations on. So it's not exactly overwhelmed with traffic, is it? What I want to hear is if anybody else can do this, and maybe they can send us in a piece. Um, that is a bit different to what we played and has a higher number. I, I'm obviously having a bit of a laugh, and I'm sure I'm sure they're not thinking it's the, the future of music creation. And there's not an awful lot of kind of flowery text on it, sort of saying this is wonderful or anything. It, but it is kind of a bit of fun. It doesn't. Say, I, I don't think it really makes any difference what you upload. Yeah, I, t- I think you're probably right to any great I mean, degree. The only thing that I've seen that really does do anything when you load pictures and stuff into it is that medicine thing. Medicine. Yeah. And that's, that makes some really quite interesting noises. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, yeah, I've never tried that, but it does. I, I think, um, doesn't um, one of the camel fat uh, filters, camel audio filters do that? You can load, it does a granular synthesis and you can load images into it and it creates sounds and evolutionary things. Oh, is that right? You know, there's not enough character from any of the things that i uploaded to make me feel that that's anything other than they've just binned the files i've sent up and just generated something anyway you know without any help from from me yeah exactly i mean there's you know musical or portrait um should be based on your demeanor mood all those kinds of things and traditionally minor is kind of sad and major is happy so i mean if it was going to take a picture of your face and convert it into music surely it should look for the and there is software that will do this it looks for the like the key areas of the face like the eyes the mouth and so on and it could probably work out from your expression what kind of uh, to some extent what kind of mood you were in that's a good idea and, and create music based on those algorithms surely that would you know 
Ooh, I think we're a few years away from Maybe that. our problem, Dave, is that neither of us uploaded pictures of our own faces or anybody else's faces. We upload, You uploaded a picture of a house, and I uploaded a picture of a Sonic State logo. So I mean, it didn't, couldn't read any of that information. So maybe I should have another I'd be, go. <laughs> I'd be really afraid to hear the music that comes out of this thing after uploading a picture of myself. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this does rather nicely dovetail into this MySpace uh, copyright filter, which I thought was fascinating. Um, I found the story um, basically because of, obviously, you know, MySpace, YouTube, everybody's getting sued. Or threatened with enormous, you know, sort of multi-billion and million-dollar-pound lawsuits for v- copyright and violation. Um, there's this uh, MySpace have uh, improved their copyright filter, which and it uses this technology, um, which is audible, which is based on audible magic, which is kind of quite a fascinating thing, which takes a digital fingerprint and. Um, you know, if if somebody says this is copyrighted material, they just kind of press a button and it takes a digital fingerprint of it. And I'm not I'm not sure. I guess it must be some kind of spectral analysis, you know, some kind of shape of dynamics or whatever, and stores it somehow. And then subsequent uploads are matched against this fingerprint. And if it matches again, then it won't be added to the uploaded music, which is, sounds like a fantastic idea and very sort of quite simple in some respects. And I just wondered whether anybody else had come across this. Uh, and you know, could, could it work? I suppose in some respects it's quite similar to that. Is it Shazam in the UK when you can dial a number and hold it up, and you know, if you're hearing a piece of music in the pub or at a nightclub or on the radio, and just play it down the phone to it, and it usually texts you back with the right answer, which is kind of pretty fascinating. It's un- it's- unbelievable. Yeah, I heard about this. There was a show here in Germany, and they did that as well. And people would, you know, just hold the, the telephone next to to the music, and it would work so well uh, unbelievable i wonder if you know i mean if that if that's possible then perhaps this is actually not that far big a stretch but it sounds like a really sensible idea i wonder how it works though i wonder if you re-eq'd something quite viciously whether it would then not realize it was the same thing well according to the article this they, they said that if if the audio or the video is repurposed um even recontext you know contextualized like just a piece of it appears in another piece of video or another piece of audio that this fingerprint technology can identify that oh, wow. That's yeah it's pretty impressive so. and you just think well blimey what well, everybody should have to do this presumably i mean it would make sense i mean I, if i was a publisher or a songwriter i think yeah i want my stuff in that database please that makes me a little bit afraid that we might be living in a very short-term golden age where we can just go to youtube and i, I, I looked at this london studio feature that you got linked oh, yeah. to the Sonic step yeah. and it's great it's brilliant yeah, it's i mean you can spend you can spend the whole evening just looking at all these amazing stuff on i wish i had the time to actually all download all of that uh, to have it for further reference because i think it's a it's a short term golden age and it's going to maybe you're right because presumably you could take a digital fingerprint just off the audio aspect of, you know, any video that was uploaded as well and use that as a kind of a way to kind of block material. So, I mean, it, it sounds like a, a brilliant solution in, in a lot of respects, but I suppose it could mean that what's going to happen is there oh. will be nothing. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it's just like um, if you've been following what's been going on with the Dig website lately, um, they were given a cease and desist for... Uh, I guess all that stupid code. Yeah, publishing the code oh. to Blu-ray, oh, and geez. the the Blu-ray copyright protection code was supposedly this unbreakable code that 
Sony and Philips had developed, and it took hackers literally a month and a half to get through that copy protection. It's Somebody out there is going to figure out how to get around all of this stuff. There's never going to be a software technological hurdle that somebody can't get around, I, I, I guarantee it. Hmm. Don't know about that. What about the Logic Audio dongle? Wh- what about the Logic Audio dongle? The Logic Audio <laughs> dongle seems to be unhackable, doesn't it? Yeah, but there are two, there's, two, there's one major reason for that. It's on a Mac Mark. only. Yeah, it's on the Mac. And all the guys, like the H2O guys, uh, they're all PC. And the, lo- the same logic dongle that hasn't been cracked for the, for the Mac was cracked for the PC after, I think, two or three months. And I think it's basically because all the hacker tools and the people are not there and the tools are not there on the Mac platform. And I know also that uh, Imagic is probably the company that's spent most energy into copy protection. And I remember talking to Gerhard Lengeling back at the Atari times when they also had an unbroken uh, creator-notator dongle that they spent 50% of their development time with their copy protection. Wow. Which wow. is huge. Yeah. And, they have, and they have two people, uh, used to have two people uh, at Imagic working uh, uh, and uploading fake versions of Logic to all the uh, various file sharing sites to frustrate users. So they really are the most eager people, you know, with copy protection. But uh, I heard that the Logic 10, 9, 11 or whatever, it's not going to have a dongle at all. Good. Mm. Hate the bloody thing. If we could go back to the music thing, I mean, how I, I don't see how you could actually fool if it's if it's taking a kind of a spectrum analysis or whatever it is of the audio. I mean, the only way you could mask it is by masking the audio, which would sound rubbish, and you'd have to have some kind of weird, you know, encoding, recoding, decoding kind of thing for it to to have any make any sense to you. Surely, I, I guess it's incomprehensible as to how they do it, but we don't know how the algorithm works. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I want to know how it's going to deal with the fact that, like, maybe in the 70s or the 80s when things were on albums, CDs, and singles, all those things sound very, very different. Like, if you listen to John Otway's singles, whoever mastered that single did it in such a different way to John Otway's albums that when you listen to the same track, it sounds like a completely different track. It sounds like another recording entirely. So, I mean, I suppose Mm. it'll have two Well, uh, yeah, I'd like to see it in action. I mean, it's something that... I find quite fascinating and, you know, it could be useful in some respects, but uh, yeah. Well, anyway, Audible Magic um, patented is called CopySense. This is their blurb. It says, uh, identification techniques recognize media content based on digital fingerprints derived from perceptual characteristics of the content itself. The approach is highly accurate and requires no dependence on metadata, watermarks or file hashes. Best of all, the technology is highly immune to compression or distortion and is indifferent to file or streaming format. It's the best approach for recognising content in the wild. Integration of copy C technology is made simple, efficient, blah, 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 blah. Sonic. State. Our next topic is, uh, they, they did one last year, um, KVR, VST, which is, uh, for those who don't know, is a kind of, it's the sort of granddaddy of plugin developers and users. Plugin. How would you describe it, Dave? Is it, is it purely a plugin for and soft synth place, or does it have other aspects to it? Because I don't spend a lot of time there, because it's, always telling me I can't come in because I'm not a member and it's too busy. I think it goes through phases. I mean, it, there are developers there and there are users there. I mean, it's, it's a good community. It's a very interesting place. So what they've done is they, they came up with this uh, challenge that they did last year, I think for the first time, um, and it's a developer challenge. And essentially what you do is you come up with a plugin 
um, you upload it in various stages and get people to test it or whatever. And at the end of the the period, um, the users vote on which one they want to win the challenge. I think there's three prizes, and um, various people donate prize money. And I think last last year the prize money was a couple of thousand bucks. And the winners were um, Triple Cheese by UHE, which, interestingly enough, was, was uh, OSX only. Also, Yeah, I featured that in my yeah, podcast. Yeah, you featured that in your podcast. You thought it was pretty good. Is that right? I did. I liked it, yeah. Uh, something called Anna by Stefan CRS, which is also OSX. And then Fire by Muck DSP, which is... Oh, no, it's MDSP. But I thought that was Muck DSP. No. That that plugin is absolutely wicked, and he's got another one called Live Cut, which is also absolutely wicked. Yeah, those are great plugins. Thanks to Mark, I found out about those and use them daily now. So, I mean, it seems like a great idea, um, and uh, you know, currently the prize money is at six hundred and fifty bucks. So, what you could do is you can go there and you donate to a sort of PayPal account, so people can put a couple of bucks in, and so you get, a, you know, gets to a certain a certain number, and that's the, essentially the prize money. And it seems like a really good idea, although, you know, obviously 2000 bucks divided by three winners over, you know, the amount of work that must go into it is probably not going to... You're not, you're not going to get rich winning it, but you're going to get a, a bunch of publicity. Anybody see... Could anybody think of anything that, you know, they'd like to see made? Yes. Go, Mark. I can. And you think I'm going to say circuit bent plug-in, but I'm not. I've been playing with that time freeze plug-in that we featured about three weeks ago. You know the VST one? Yeah. I bought it, and I've been experimenting with it. And the way I think it works, but I might be wrong, is that so that it can loop things, it analyzes things and breaks them up into frequency band, bands and then resynthesizes them. Right. right. So I want a plug-in that will take audio, um, break it up into frequency bands, and uh, if it's a synthesizer, it should break them up into granular so it's breaking up on the X and the, and the Y axis. Then what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to pitch shift the individual frequency bands. So say it breaks it up into, I don't know, what's a good number, 128 frequency bands. Yeah. I want modulation on all of those 128 bands so that I can either pitch shift parts of the audio against itself so I can pull it apart and change right. the pitch of things or so that I can modulate different frequencies in the audio like chorus things because i think that when you uh resynthesize things that have been analyzed and pulled apart and put back together in that way that they sound a bit kind of glassy and synthetic so if you were to have some modulation in amongst some of the key frequencies then it would make everything sound warmer and how i sort of came about this idea was i was thinking about different reverbs and the, and the the time freeze plug-in sounds like a long extended reverb, like the Quantec or whatever. Yeah. But if you think of the Lexicon reverb, which has various different chorus things going on in those comb filters. Yeah, the chorus reverb and if you had, a, I want a synth that will do that. We'll have the warmth of the Lexicon, but we'll be able to do analysis and resynthesis and to be able to pull the grains apart as well. In fact, I want to be able to time stretch and pitch shift different <laughs> frequency uh, Okay, bands, stop, stop, rates. stop. That's a lot of... Uh, <laughs> Dave, did you get... Did you, did you manage to build... Anybody take those notes? Down? Yeah, yeah, Mark, doesn't... Uh, the, the current version of Verison Cube does all of that, I believe. I it, don't even know what that is. I've never heard of that. Ver, Ver, Verison, oh, um, they did... Uh, they're the ones who do Cantor as well, which is the voice synthesis thing. They do, uh, yeah. The Verison they, Cube is supposed to be 
pretty much out of this world. I've not used it, but perhaps I should. Yeah, I have an earlier version of it, um, not the resynthesizing version, but in their term, frequent terms, frequency bands are called partials, and they break a sound up into a number of partials. And I believe in its newest version, you can, depending on your CPU power, you can break a sound up into user-definable amounts of partials. I don't know what, what the maximum amount is. And then you can modulate those partials or move them around or even create formants from them. Well, there having... you go, Mark. Go to it. Yeah, yeah I'll have to uh, go and look at that. I will hope for a logic uh, key emula- uh, dongle <laughs> emulator. <laughs> <laughs> The, the uni- or the universal dongle emulator. You know, but what happened here, I did, recently did a, last week I did a, a review of the Arturia Jupiter 8V. Oh, so do we, yeah. Yeah, and, and what happened is, once you stick in two dongles, the USB bus just breaks down. Oh. So you have to, you know, put them, switch the dongles. And, oh, uh, God. Uh, what a nightmare. But, it, but it's still a lot better than uh, challenge re- response, which we yeah, I suppose presumably we all hate even more. Yeah. I do hate that more. Yeah, okay. Logic, I don't mind your dongle. Challenge response. Dave, you're you're a software developer, so I mean, um, but that doesn't discount you from, from seeing, you know, is there anything you'd like to see? So I think what Mark was saying was very interesting. Yeah, I think it is interesting. It's just um, it's just quite in-depth and difficult yes. to, to grasp. <laughs> <laughs> I just want two knobs. Uh, no, it's a short answer. I try when, whenever I'm away from software. I try and get away from software. So yeah, well that's fair enough. Uh, and PJ, how about you? Can you um, can you see? Anything, is there anything that you'd like to see? Oh, not not on the synthesizer or plug-in front that I can think of uh, offhand. I, I'd like to see a really well sampled acoustic guitar, but I don't think it'll come out of KVR. No, perhaps not. Perhaps yeah. not. Anyway, the, the challenge is underway, and um, you can go just go to KVR. There's banners for it all over the place, and you can go and sort of keep an eye on what's being submitted and kind of get involved in the forums and what have you, and uh, a great competition. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I mean, we've had a kind of fairly staggered uh, entry to our, to, to, to our uh, talk today. Um, I'm glad we did manage to hook up with, uh, with non-Eric. Um, thank you very much for joining us at the last minute. That was very kind of you. And, um, Welcome. You'll obviously be rushing back to work on digitalmusician.net and uh, monitor the enormous number of users and fantastic projects that are happening there, no doubt. Yes, and I just made it on the top five of the iTunes Store video podcast list Wow! with MusoTalk. Really? Oh, yeah. fantastic. I wish I knew how to get there. Well, uh, right next to um, uh, the German version of um, American Idol. Ah, wow. Congratulations. That was, <laughs> Only 20 report. pixels away. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, well done. <laughs> and also, uh, PJ Tracy from Minneapolis, thank you again for joining us too. Oh, thanks for having me, Nick. I'm glad we managed to overcome our echo uh, problems. We are having a bit of problems with the line, but uh, you managed to pull through there and sounded clear and concise as usual. And Fantastic. Dave Spears from G4 Software. Thank you. For joining us once again. Um, uh, G4 Software make the Mini Monster, the Oddity, the uh, oh, the Mtron, and um, oh, something else coming in the pipeline fairly soon, I believe. Probably, probably. Oh well, <laughs> watch this space. <laughs> and of course, Mark Tinley and his SK5. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Mark, you you're a star. <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much. Good fun, as always.
Once again, Sonic State is uh, also a member of the Home Recording Network. Uh, if you want to go and check out some of the other podcasts featured in this network, please do go to homerecordingnetwork.com. Sonic State. Let's go.